0: This is for his kingdom. This is the Arkansas God sees. All right. Good morning, family. Everybody doing all right today? You doing good? Hey, if you guys would rather be here than the best hospital around, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Come on. It's good to be in church. Well, good to see you. Good to see you. Always good to see some new faces out here. I'm glad that you're with us today. If I haven't met you yet, my name is James. I'm the pastor here, and... uh, we started a series last week uh, that we do every year. It's an annual series we do called Tags, or the Arkansas the God Sees. Uh, this is a vision series, and, uh, and it is primarily aimed at the people that call New Life Church their home church. But if you happen to be visiting with us, I'm glad you're here, because I, I believe that what we're going to talk about even today, uh, we can all learn from this. Uh, but this is not necessarily pointed at you as visitors. Today, we're going to be talking about what it means to have a generous heart. And so in that, we're going to be talking about money. So as soon as I say that word in church, everybody gets really stressed out, like immediately. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, chill out, okay? Just relax. Everybody just needs to chill out. Because when I say that you're going to talk about money in church, a lot of you are like, I'd rather talk about weight gain or my age or anything else. (laughs) Let's let's talk about something else. And there's a reason why you feel that way. There's actually a study of the top five reasons why people are not in church. Why they don't want to go to church. It's things like they don't like the music. The sermons are not relevant to their everyday life. Uh, Their kids don't like it. Uh, They feel like people are mean, hypocritical. And another reason is because they feel like church just wants their money. Now that right there is actually the second most popular answer to the question, why you're not in church? Because Because the church just wants my money. Now what they're really saying is, They don't really want me. They just want what I have. And that embarrasses me as a pastor that people would feel that way in church. But the truth is this. We don't make the same statements about any other area in our life that we give money to. Like we don't go around saying, man, those people at Starbucks just want my money, bunch of jerks. I just can't stand those Every time I go in there, they just want my money. That's all they want. We don't say, we don't say that about Bass Pro Shop, do we? And they're like, man, those guys just, every time, just, they just take all my money every time I'm in there. And some of you wives are like, yeah, they've been taking way too much money. Way too much money. But we don't say that. Maybe the reason why we don't say that about those areas because we love those areas. We love what those places do for us. The truth is this, all we have to do is look at our bank statement and we can know exactly what we love and what we worship. Ooh, ouch. But it is true because we have value in those things. That's why we don't really complain about it. But the great thing is this, unlike any of those other places in any other area of your life, God honestly doesn't want your money, but He wants you. And we want you. He wants your heart. He wants all of who you are. God wants to be number one in your life. He wants to be number one. Look, we know how the whole thing ends, right? We win. We win. Jesus is not just interested in being number one at the end, though. Jesus is interested in being number one throughout the whole process. Jesus likes to win every single day. He wants to be number one. Now, some might say it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. But the person who wrote that obviously never won anything in their life. They're probably the people that brought up the idea of giving out participation trophies, okay? I'm going to get an email about this, but at the end of the day, you don't win, you don't get squats. That's just the way life works. (laughs) I'm glad we're on the same page. For example, we play games around my house, okay? Board games or whatever. Cody is just like, doesn't care she like let the kids win at anything like just whatever like she's just like oh it's okay I'm over there like die sucker like I'm just bringing like I don't even care they gotta learn now or they're never gonna learn except for Monopoly when we play Monopoly this sweet little lady up here (laughs) will do anything in her power to send all the kids crying in defeat to their rooms at the end of the game she did she will lie, she will manipulate, she, she just, oh my gosh, it's, a, it's, it's pray for her. <laughs> a couple years ago, it was just a few years ago, maybe two or three years ago, Alabama, any Tide fans in here? Be careful, <laughs> we'll follow you to your cars, uh, but just a few years ago, Alabama was ranked number seven in the nation. Now, that doesn't happen very often for Alabama. They were ranked number seven. I guarantee you this, Nick Nick Saban was not gathering the team together and handing out t-shirts to say, we're number seven. Why? Because he wants to win. God wants you to win. But the only way you really win is if he's number one. And Jesus is not interested in being in the top ten of your life. He wants to be number one in every area of your life. The bottom line is, board games and football games don't really matter in eternity, but the church does. And that's why we're going to talk about this subject. Look, many here at New Life, they love this church. in fact, I have to coach people not to brag too much, because it just winds up sounding ridiculous. But a lot of people love this church. In fact, churchwide across the state, 70% of our people give or serve, 70%, which is pretty strong, but this, that also means that 30% of our people do nothing, 30% do nothing. Interesting thing is that from year to year, a lot of times we have to say no to about 30% of our vision, what we would want to do to reach the state of Arkansas. I will say to the 30% who are not contributing, there is no condemnation. That's not what this is about. And, And I want you to know that you're welcome here, and I love you. We love you. And this is not about condemnation. It's just important that you know that your faithfulness matters. Everybody's faithfulness matters. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that you can bring with you to heaven is souls. And I don't want to get just 70% of that. I want all of it. I want to win our city in Jesus' name. And I want us to win this state. And I want it to glorify God in such a way that everybody will recognize that it's Jesus. Even the most crazy, liberal, anti-God person is going to have to say, man, there's something to this. But we have to put God first if we're going to have a chance to do that. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever made a mistake with your money? Anybody ever made a mistake with your money? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying in church. (laughs) And God will kill you. But, But because here's the thing, every single person at one point or another, you've made a mistake with money. Okay, anybody ever been to like a state fair or something like that and seen one of those stupid games and they talk you in, "Ah, oh, I see people like, like, like trying not to look at me right now. Like, no, not me. Cody and I have done that. What, how much did we blow? That was like 50 bucks, right? Something like that. It was our last $50. <laughs> it was her idea. Uh, so everybody's made mistakes with money. Everybody has. And I'm just going to encourage you, don't look back. Don't look back. Please don't look back. Don't, don't, don't live in that place of guilt or shame or condemnation. Don't look back. But please, lift your eyes and look forward. Let's make Jesus number one, starting now, moving forward. We mentioned this verse last week in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues. He goes on to say, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord. Okay, now this is exactly what we're asking you to do. When it has always come to giving, when it comes to money, when it comes to vision, when it comes to all this, what we've always asked you to do is just go ask God what he wants you to do. Go ask God what he wants you to do, and then then let us know what he told you. But ask God. He's the one that's going to be able to convict us and lead us and give us what we need ask the lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field for every 50,000 people in arkansas there are 40,000 people that are not in a church for every 50,000 40,000 people are not in a church and many of them are without christ the harvest is plentiful we need workers How do we do this? What are some principles? I think, first of all, you've got to keep an eternal perspective. This is super hard. This is very difficult in our culture, man. We're we're a consumer-based, materialistic culture. We are. So it's difficult to always see it this way. This is what the Word says about it. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve both God and money. In the Old Testament, when God was making a covenant with Abram, before he was Abraham, God called him out of his tent. He called him out of his shelter. He called him out of his place of comfort. And he said, look at the stars. You need to have some perspective on what I want to do in and through you. You need to see the enormity of the kingdom of God And souls and vision. And I think that that is what God is asking us to do every day. It's to look beyond our car, our cubicle, our front door, to come out, to get out of that cover and that place of security, and to see the kingdom, to see what He's calling us into to understand the covenant that we have through his son Jesus that others desperately need to keep an eternal perspective. This may be different for each of you, but I find a lot of times the fear of giving, the stress that's related to money, a lot of times keeps us from seeing the kingdom of God. It keeps us from having an eternal perspective. I think we also always need to remember the love of God that we experienced. Because that changes your perspective. It's hard to give what you don't have. It's hard to pour out what hasn't been poured into you. You're going to have a difficult time being motivated to release the blessings that are in your life if you are forgetting the love of Jesus in your life, if you forgot the grace, there's a story of a woman in the Bible, she's actually mentioned in all four Gospels, which doesn't happen very often, but this is a story that mentioned in all four Gospels of this woman who was a sinner, and she was a known sinner, but she was forgiven, and one day, Jesus is sitting around having a meal with these other people, religious people, And she came in with an alabaster jar full of this perfume that was worth a year's amount of wages. And she comes in and she's broken immediately. She pours this expensive perfume all over Jesus and then is on the floor, on her hands and knees, weeping all over Jesus' feet. And then is cleaning his feet with her hair and, and kissing his feet. Awkward. The other people there didn't understand it. But the fact of the matter was, (laughs) she was broken by the love of Jesus. And it just made her want to give everything. And it didn't matter what it looked like. She wasn't embarrassed by it, she wasn't insecure by it, she wasn't concerned. I don't think she probably even sat down and thought, well, I mean, I could probably do this, but if I gotta, I'm going to have to move some stocks around and I'm going to have to you know, line up some work here and there. I, don't th- I think she just was impacted by the love of Jesus that she realized that there was nothing more valuable. This is what it said. Luke 7, 47. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. When you understand how much you've been forgiven, you love much. Because it's just the overflow of the love that you have a realization of in your own life. You give from that place. Because his love does break us. This is what I've learned. Whatever's most important in your life always surfaces to the top. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he loved us first. It's not he loves us because we loved him first. <laughs> no, he actually just chose to love us while we were still sinners. Another thing, keep a compassionate heart. Keep a compassionate heart. Be like Christ in this. And Matthew says he had compassion on them. Well, how do you have Compassion. I think you have compassion and you have love for the things that you care about. It says in Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You notice that generosity often leads our heart. I notice that wherever generosity leads in my life is typically my, where my heart's going to follow. Because whatever I attribute worth to, worship to, is where my heart, my emotions, is gonna be the most committed to. To stay in that place of compassion, honestly, I think some of us we don't love because we don't give much, yet. We just haven't gotten to that place. I find that faith in action almost always brings a deeper sense of God's love and compassion. I find that when you actually act in love and act in obedience, you always have a deeper understanding of God's love and compassion for you and for other people. It almost always works that way. There's a greater commitment level when you're invested in something. It's kind of like the difference between owning and renting. You can drive around even our city and you can go into areas where there's a higher percentage of rentals. And those are not necessarily the nicer areas of our city. Because when people rent something, they're just not really that invested in it. So they don't really care what happens to it. You ever rented a car before? (laughs) I know the people out here. Come on. When you jump into that rental car, you're like, man, this this is super nice. I'm going to take really good care of this. No, you drive it like you stole it everywhere you go. Like, you just, you ride the brakes hard. You don't care because it's not going to be yours. I mean, you don't want to wreck it, but you got insurance on it too. So, you know. Look, I know when I drive a rental car, like, look, I drive around a Toyota Corolla, okay? But I take care of it because it's mine. But if I get a rental car, especially one that has more than four horsepower, (laughs) I don't drive it like I own it we don't want you to be renters of this vision and you're part in the kingdom of God. We want you to have ownership in it because when you have ownership in it, you keep compassion about the things that God has compassion about. You love what God loves. When you stop owning, you stop caring. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Now, anytime the Bible ever says, remember this, it's a good idea you remember it. Just write it down, maybe. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I think some of you are like, man, I'm just never growing in God. Why aren't I growing more in God? Well, have you tried the principle of sowing and reaping? Maybe your breakthrough isn't coming because You're just dropping a couple little seeds every once in a while here and there. Instead of just generously throwing it out. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I'm going to ask you to please never give because you're reluctant to or because you feel pressured to or because... Because here's the deal, I'm not even convinced it's even going to count. Everything that we're talking about as far as the joy and the compassion and love, when you give because you feel com- compelled to give outside of anything other than the Holy Spirit, you feel pressure, you feel forced, I don't even know that you're going to get the heart change that God's trying to do. But when you do decide, know that God loves cheerful givers. He loves cheerful givers. So what are the areas that we do this with? First, you've got to decide in your heart to be generous with your money. Be generous with your money. Now this is talking about tithes and offerings. This is what I've learned in my own life. Either my money is submitted to God or or my money is my God. And there's really no other option. That's just the way it is. Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? Yeah, you rob me. But you ask, this is the punchiest verse in the whole thing, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse because you are robbing me. Look, that's like one of the strongest verses in the Bible. This is obviously a big deal to God. We only talk on money maybe once or twice a year. Maybe we need to apologize for that because the Bible talks about it 30% of the time. More than that, it's like two-thirds of the time. Like if the Bible talks about it a lot, then obviously this is a big subject in our lives. What are some of the things the Bible says about the tithe? Because I don't want you just to think that I'm making stuff up. This is the word of God. This is what it says. Tithing is a lordship issue. It's not a financial issue. It's a lordship issue. Malachi 3.7, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. Look, before you know the Lord and because, before you understand that he is Lord, before you've surrendered your life to the Lord and made him your Lord, you're not wired to be generous. Look, all you got to do is go over to a three-year-old room those three-year-olds in there are not giving their toys and their cookies to the other kids saying, freely I have received and freely I doth give to you. <laughs> no, the reason why we have to have officers on campus because you can get cut in the three-year-old room. <laughs> they will hurt you in there because we're not naturally wired to be generous. But when you understand who is the Lord of your life and that all of it is his and he lets you use it. You've got to get that. It starts there. Jesus is my Lord. We may say that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, but the tithe is one of the only ways that you can measure the actual trueness of that. Like this is real. I'm not just saying that I believe this. I'm going to show that I believe it. You also, according to the word, you can't give the tithe. You can only bring it. You can't even give it. You bring it. Malachi three ten. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. I like playing sports. I like getting in people's head when I play sports. I love playing basketball. I love playing all that. I love when some young punk comes along and talking a lot of smack about what he's going to do and how he's going to do this and all that. Here's the thing. I got one thing to say. Bring it. Bring it. Show me something. Bring it. Stop talking. Let your game talk. And I think that's kind of what God's saying to us. Don't just talk a good game. Bring it. Bring it. Bring what you're saying you're going to do. Here's an example. If we went away on a trip for a while, say a few weeks or something like that, and we, we allowed somebody to come and stay in our home while we were gone, like come come on, make, come, come over to our house, make yourself our home. We want you to use our home. But then when we came back from that trip and we came back to our house, and the people that were staying there, they, they came over to us, and they were like, "Hey, um, I just want to let you know, we've been seeking the Lord, and we really feel like the, the Lord wants us to give you this house." I'd be like, "Have y'all been eating Colorado brownies?" Because this ain't your house. It's not yours to give. You can't give me my own house back. All you can do is return it to me. All you can do is bring it back to me. That is the tithe. <laughs> like I, and I know that maybe maybe it's just an innocence, but sometimes like you, you're gonna you come and you you give your tithe, and it's like generous. No, all you did is you just brought it in thankfulness because the whole 100% is his. He asked for 10. So we bring it, we bring it. Tithing is for the house of God and not any other place. Back to that same verse, Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, it doesn't say store houses. This is not plural. If this is not your church, tithe to your church. But you can't bring the tithe to anything else. You don't give the tithe, but you also can't bring the tithe to your fr- fraternity, to the Razorback Foundation, to any other place. The tithe is meant for the house of God. If I went away on another trip, I'm gone a lot around here, but if I went on another trip and, uh, and I, I, I was gonna go by myself, but I was gonna leave Cody and the kids here. And I, I went and I found three of my friends. I said, this is what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna give each of you $1,000 a month I'm going to give each of you $1,000 a month. And all I'm asking you to do is that you make sure that my wife gets at least $100 of that every month. That's all I'm asking for you to do. And if I came back from that trip and I called those guys up and I said, okay, how'd it go? And the first guy was like, man, I did exactly what you asked me to do. I I got the $1,000 every month and every month... I, I went and I took, right away, I took $100 to Cody. In fact, sometimes I gave her a little bit more because I was like, $1,000 is a lot of money. And all. And you just asked me to take care of her. $1,000 is a lot of money. So I gave her a little bit more from time to time. I went to the second guy and the second guy was like, well, yeah, I mean, most months, sometimes. It might've been a little less sometimes than other times. But I did. I mean, I did. It just wasn't always consistent. It wasn't always. It wasn't always the right. It wasn't always a hundred. And I went to the third guy. and I said, "Well, how'd it go with you?" And he said, "Man, I kind of. I got busy. And uh, I had a lot of needs. I had some stuff come up. And uh, yeah, man, I." I didn't really. I didn't. I gave like a few dollars. I gave. I did what I thought I could do. What do you think I'm going to do next time I go on the trip? Who am I going to trust? I'll tell you what. The last dude, I'm going to snap his neck right on the spot because he's supposed to take care of my bride. God has asked us to take care of His bride. This is the place to do that. You can give to anything, anywhere in the world if you want to. But you can't give the tithe because the tithe is for his bride. The tithe is the only place that God says, test me. This is good news for us. I'm just going to read through this scripture. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for it. Man, that's a great promise. It's the only place that God says, look, you having a hard time? You having a hard time with this? Try me. Try me. Try me. And I'd encourage you to do this. Maybe you don't give anything at all. Try a little. With the right heart, And see what God does. Test him in it. Just try it. He says you can test him. And here's the thing. This is not just about the money that you get back. Okay? I'm not a prosperity teacher. Uh, I'm also not a poverty teacher. I'm a provision teacher. God provides But when God pours out his blessing, he pours it out on all areas of life. And it's not necessarily money, but how many of you would rather have joy and peace than all the money in the world? I'll tell you what, when you trust God with your money, you get that peace and joy. And he blesses relationships, and he blesses your future. He blesses way more than just your money. Tithing is not just 10%. It's the first 10%. It's the first 10%. Some scripture on this. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. 1 Corinthians 16.2. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money, okay, because they got paid on Sunday, or Sunday is the first day of their week, okay? So that's when they would set aside. Set it aside in keeping with his income. Saving it up so when I come, no collections will need to be made. Deuteronomy 14.23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Because here's the deal. The first portion is the redemptive portion. The first portion is what redeems the rest of it. Another way to say it is, you can either have... God's blessing on 90% because you let the redemptive 10% bless the 90% or not have his blessing on 100%. But the first portion is the redemptive portion. The way that Cody and I do this, to make sure that we do it, we give online. We have it set up on an automatic draft. So, it's the first thing that comes out every month, before our bills, before anything else, our tithe is the first thing that comes out because we're not even we don't even want to see it on a statement as ours. It's not. It's God's. So it comes out automatically. There's a lot of ways you can give around here. You can give in buckets, you can give there's boxes at the doors, you can text to give. You, However you give, understand these biblical principles. It's the first 10%. Man, there's something in it. When it. As an act of worship, when you allow this to happen, man, it is so cool just what God does over every area of your life. So be generous with your money. Be also generous with your time. Look, this last year and this coming year, we want to be in a place where we saturate our cities with acts of kindness. As the word says, to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other most parts of the world. And look, we are a, a global missions church. We start in our communities and then we branch out from there. And here's the thing. It takes so many people giving so many hours to make all of this work, to make this vision happen. Right now, in these services, there are hundreds of people serving all over this church People changing your nasty kids' diapers right now so that you can enjoy service. Uh, Our serve teams, uh, whether it's in little life or or kill life, everybody that that makes coffee, so thankful for the people that make coffee, and everybody that helps people find parking spots and all this, man, these people give hours and hours and hours. They're generous with it. Mike and Emily Pendergrass, they lead all of our serve teams. They are leading 250 people on their teams alone. And they volunteer to do it because they see the kingdom of God. Will you guys give them a hand? I'm thankful for that family. Some other stats from this year. Dream Center, we gave out 186,000 meals served to children and homeless. Hundreds served give hours and hours at the Dream Center. Missions. 30 trips to 13 different countries. 377 people went on missions. Thanksgiving meals. This last year, we gave out 6,580 meals and served 1,351, or that took 3, 1,351 uh, volunteers to do that. 2015 attendance. This last year, we had 20,000 people come to services. It takes a lot of people to serve in those services. Christmas mall, we gave out 3,007 gifts. That was ran by 1,300 volunteers. Life groups, life groups, we have 10,449 people in attendance and at 943 groups statewide, which is good. But the problem is, the problem is this, we have 30,000 people that call this their home church. So one-third of our people are engaged in probably the most important thing of our vision. Community. Discipleship. We do have a lot of people every week that give and give and give of their time to make those groups happen. What else? Easter, this last year, 23,229 people in attendance. Through those services, 736 decisions for Christ. 25,000 Easter eggs were given away. <laughs> we had men's conferences, women conferences, marriage, youth, VBS. Thousands and thousands of people all over the state sacrificing, giving of their time. Any of y'all busy in here? Any of y'all busy? Raise your hand if you're busy. You feel like you're busy. Just so you know, if we showed the stats, the people that are serving around here are some of the most busy people. They're busy. Before they ever started serving, they were busy. But I do believe, and I can see this, that when you put what's most important first, God blesses your time. He blesses your time. He makes your time more effective than it ever was before. This year, we're we're hoping to have 25,000 people at our candlelight services come and help us. We need some help. A lot of people get saved during Christmas. We have new campuses starting this year. We're going to need people to help with these campuses. God is going to call some of you to go to some of these places. We're going to be in Greenbrier. We are in Greenbrier. Actually, in Greenbrier, they have 900 people in Greenbrier at that campus. Right here, the increase here in the last three weeks, the last three weeks, we've had 700 more people each weekend than we did the same weekends last year. We have some need here. That's a great place to praise God for sure. It's one of the reasons why we have some life groups that we're going to talk about today. Next year, we're going to be in Mayflower, Florida, Pine Bluff, downtown Little Rock, Saline County, BB, and maybe even a couple other places. And we need people that are willing to give of time. Give of their time. The last place that you can give is with your passion to share the gospel. John 4, 35. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. I just want to share that. You know, the reason why I love this church is not because I'm the pastor of this church. The reason why I love this church is because over the years I've invited people to come to this place and I've seen their lives transformed. I've seen them saved, water baptized, serving, using their gifts and talents and plugged into community. The reason why I love this place is because I have seen people's lives that I knew that I invited be changed. You will never understand the vision of our church until you invite someone to come and you see their lives changed. And every Sunday we do an invitation and I ask that everybody close their eyes and then bow their heads. If you ever bring someone, you bring a friend, you bring somebody, it's the only time that you're allowed to cheat and peek. Because there is nothing like seeing someone that you invested in come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. vision is that we can bring people in bring our friends in so they can become fully devoted followers of Christ this whole process it starts with lordship and I know that there is probably a few of us in here that you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus as lord yet I want to give you a chance to do that right now. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, never bowed your knee before him in your heart and said, I want you to have control and I I need you to forgive me of my sin. Or maybe that you've done that at one point or another, but you know you're away from God and you need to come back to him this morning. If you're either one of those people, nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, but if that's you, I want to know who I'm praying with. Will you please put your hand up? As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. If you're in this room, you need Jesus this morning. You need a relationship with him. As soon as I see you, put your hand down. Anybody in this place? Okay. Anybody around here? I need to bow my knee to Jesus. Okay. All right. Father God, I thank you for every person that's here. I thank you for the people that are making that decision to follow you. And if you are making that decision, you just simply, in your heart, right there in your seat, just talk to God. Just say, God, here's my life. I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I ask for your forgiveness. And right now, I make you the Lord of my life. I bow my life to you. Thank you for saving me from my sin, for giving me a new life. A new hope in you i want to live the rest of my life according to your word lead me by your holy spirit father help me to find my place in the body of christ father i just pray for every person in here in fact would you just I want you just to pray for the person on your right and on your left just pray for them right where you're seated just pray god i pray that myself or any person sitting to my right or my left god that we would always be fully committed to your kingdom with everything that we have that we would see that what really matters is souls God we thank you that you don't want our money but you want our hearts and so often our money can have our hearts and we don't want our money to have our hearts we want you to have our hearts so we're going to be obedient with our tithe we're going to bring it to you God We're gonna trust you with our offerings. And anytime you move us by your spirit to give above and beyond, we're gonna do it with grateful, cheerful hearts, God, because we know that we are storing up treasures in heaven where it can't be taken away. God, we wanna build your kingdom. We wanna build your kingdom. That's our heart. That's our desire. That you would use us, Father God, to make it hard to go to hell from our city and community because of our willingness to be obedient and because of our supernaturally generous hearts and trusting you with everything we have for your glory in Jesus name, amen amen, amen, let's stand together let's give God a hand this morning, come on he's worthy, come on amen amen, hey in the seat right around you there's a